Hey everybody, you've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. Hey, this is Josh. It is Wednesday, November 1st, 2023. Uh, it's just not the same. Uh, so sad, it's not Halloween month anymore. Yeah, we were supposed to record on Halloween, actual Halloween, yeah. and then you were too tired from My fault. working. Well, it's one of those things where, oh, you're going to love this. So, if I would have done podcast and then we traditionally watch a lunchtime movie, mm-hmm. then I would have been here till midnight because... Even though it was just a nine o'clock show, the absent friends shadow cast has to clean up afterwards. Not the theater, just themselves. Oh, uh, right. So I was out of here at midnight, and then I walked across the street and visited Targ because we had some leftover pizza. And I was like, oh, I'll give the wizards over at Targ some pizza. And they were so happy to see me. If you ever have a chance to just randomly drop by and bring neighbors a pizza, always good. Or popcorn. <laughs> or popcorn, yeah. Except sometimes that can be too much if you're going every single day with popcorn. We've, yeah. We've kind of buried people with popcorn. Yeah. As fate would have it, I'm working tonight because somebody got sick. Oh, boy. But because we're doing this a little earlier, Barda, my puppy, is sleeping at my feet right now. So I have time to walk her back home, mm-hmm. bike back to the cinema. So not ideal, but I'm working tonight anyways. So Jeez. It's not Andrew, is it? No, I'm working with Andrew. Oh, boy. Oh, dream team. (laughs) I have bumped him over to Candy (laughs) because I don't want to work Candy. And I'm like... Could you work Candy? Like, not in a mean way, but like you to be dropped into it after this amount of time. Yeah, because I do it in a more minimal level whenever we have a rental that Mm, is smaller. Say like 20 people. Sometimes a rental is for real two people. It's a romantic anniversary screening or something. (laughs) With Josh. With me. (laughs) So when it's something like that, I can totally... Turn on the popcorn machine, set up the Coke machine, serve 15 or 20 people popcorn. Okay, so low pressure you're, exactly. you're good with. But if it was a cartoon, or not even cartoons, but like, I don't know, cinema. Rocky Horror I'm, Picture Show. Yeah, yeah. I was like, why can't I think of any popular thing here? I could do it. I don't want to clean up afterwards. Right. Yeah, and well, that's terrible. As my right as the owner, that's the one little thing that I'm like, yeah, I don't want to work an actual candy bar shift. Okay. But also, say if it's a night where it's a rental and it might be a bit busier than we thought, with one candy bar person, I'll sometimes just hop on and just bag popcorn for them. You know, just good deed that. But Andrew is still back and forth. He's a manager who can still do a candy bar shift every once in a while, which is a very handy thing to have in a night like tonight. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. If it's a contained type of thing, not so bad. But if you had like a Breen lineup or something, I feel like you'd melt down maybe. Yeah, you just start (laughs) crying. It's (laughs) hard. It's hard. Like even for the best of us, it's, I mean, honestly, for me, I could never like look out the door. No. Like it was like, just go one at a time. Don't overthink it because it can be so overwhelming to like look at me like, what's the point of this? Like I have, I've <laughs> served, I've served 40 people and there's still a lineup well up the stairs. And I always joke that we're just not built for success because we have this small candy bar. You're an owner. Too. I know, but it's. When I worked at a place called Fifth Avenue Cinemas that still exists in Vancouver, it was a Mayfair-esque independent, but had five screens, but very small. So it had like three small screens, one medium, and one large. Fifth Avenue had five screens? Yeah. That's fun. But the largest screen was maybe half the size of the Mayfair screen. We played art house stuff, every Mm. once in a while something mainstream, and I was a candy bar kid there in my college years, and... Because it was a bigger venue, there was a row of four or five cash registers, then a fancy coffee machine, and two popcorn machines. Wow. And on a busy night, sometimes I would just be the popcorn mule 
and <laughs> on both machines like both were you machines. skipping between yeah okay. double double dipping <laughs> amazing and so my back would be to the crowd and there would be the i can't remember four or five four let's say four cash registers and a coffee machine and they would just go i wouldn't even take orders i would just try to stay ahead of the curve mm. so i would be like there's two larges there's two mediums there's two small and it would just be this assembly line routine with that looney tunes classical music playing you know like the dun 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 <laughs> oh, da, 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 da. and after the end of like a busy friday night you'd have to like take a knee <laughs> you'd be yeah. like oh my god my arm hurts i'm sweating so for us we have one popcorn machine one cash register and when there's a thing like rocky horror we had three candy bar kids on for it so basically one doing popcorn one doing cash and one just making coke and we've gotten into this routine of getting a head start and just placing down four or five large medium smalls most people don't care most people aren't like oh is this fresh and we're like yeah well it's relatively fresh what i like about our patrons is they've fallen into the practice of they'll just walk up and grab one of the popcorns and walk over to the cash and be like this one so that's kind of cool yeah, as long as it's not someone like a pre-order type thing, like yeah. the grocery store. <laughs> yeah. like, you can't just do that. <laughs> yeah, but so we did that. And yeah, the lineup was into the cinema. But by the time Rocky Horror started, the lineup was just in the candy bar. Mm. So it worked, but it's just, you just keep going. So that's why I joke that we're just not built for success in that we're not a multiplex with six different levels of popcorn machines and all this kind of different stuff. Yeah, at least we have clientele that are chill when you go five, ten minutes longer serving people popcorn because yeah. they're like, I don't know. It'd be one thing if we had people who were just like, I don't care. I was on time and I've got my popcorn. Start the movie on time. You know, yeah. but you're like, well, you can literally see that there's a line well into the theater, like <laughs> yeah. above the stairs, beyond the stairs, down. I mean, once it gets down the slope, oh, like yeah. that's when you're like, okay, <laughs> I feel like we're maybe not starting on time. Well, our old projectionist, Matthew, who's now a cop somehow. What? What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But he joked about this. 10 years ago, 12 years ago, he said we should have shirts that said, the Mayfair Theater, starting movies late since 1932. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're lucky, because I yeah. mean, you know, if we're starting on time, it's probably not a lot of people here. So it's like... Yeah, but I find, again, our patrons are savvy where you will get people here, even on a slower night, here early because they want to get their popcorn and they want to get the couch or they want to get their specific seat. Vice versa, even for Rocky Horror last night, you have people who aren't familiar with the Mayfair showing up five or ten minutes late because I think people have got acclimated to the multiplex where there's 20 minutes of car commercials and eight trailers mm -hmm. and your movie at seven doesn't start till 7.35. Whereas we, on a normal night, as we speak, have a 30-second video ad for the National Art Gallery and then three trailers. That's mm -hmm. what we do usually. I think that's like eight minutes maybe. Yeah, and then the video of you being like, oh, the cinema, it's so great. <laughs> yeah. Come out to the movies. You're like, I don't know, Josh. I'm not sure I like this. Gwen and I, for a long time, watched this stuff from a place called Dumb Industries. They have a bunch of Mystery Science Theater alum, and they do mm. riffs on shorts and features. And they'll do a pre-show, which I love, and it's all drive-in ads and old movie ads. And every once in a while, there'll be an ad for, like, cigarettes, which is so weird to think that there'd be a cigarette ad in front of a movie. 
Yeah, except, I mean, we now love that in a ephemeral, old-school exactly. style thing. Yeah. But, yeah, that is... I mean, even the cigarette ads just in general back then are hilarious. We're just like, four out of five doctors recommend <laughs> camels. And they're, like, smoking. I was like, are you performing surgery right now? Should you be doing that? I don't know. I think during one of the cartoon parties, there was that nefarious Flintstones oh, right. ad yeah. where Fred and Wilma are smoking cigarettes. Yeah classic can you imagine simpsons or bob's burgers like doing that nowadays no i mean like maybe family guy (laughs) yeah 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 speaking of like crazy lineups though uh friday the 13th part six did amazing first of all which is great but that was one of those nights where like i always feel bad i don't like line jumping for popcorn even though you know i work here and i can do it and so I like wait till because I don't know I don't want to be like I've seen the movie I can wait whatever and so I kept waiting for that one because the line it was down it was to the slope like that yeah. it was crazy we started late everyone was cool yeah it was packed I, oh my god that was such a good night but anyway so I went back I think three times and the <laughs> third time there was two candy bar guys and they looked like they'd been through <laughs> a fight oh my god and and I was like oh. is there any and I could see the popcorn machine was empty so I yeah. already knew where this was going but I was like is there any popcorn left and he was like no no they bought it all. <laughs> And I and I was like, it's fine. I could have come back earlier, and I didn't. I didn't feel bad, but I mean, because that was like probably half an hour into the movie at that point, and they were just slammed. we weren't expecting it. You know, we try to put people on accordingly, and you're like, okay, Friday Thirteenth does about this well, and it did about twice as well as we thought it would do. So yeah, sometimes that happens. Those candy bar boys were never seen again. Yeah, no, they were. They had like good spirits. Like they were definitely beaten down by the situation, but. I don't know that I wasn't sad. I'll, I'll be honest. I did want some popcorn, I, yes. b- but at the same time, and I told him, I was like, I don't like jumping in the line. And they were like, well, Josh does it. And yeah. I was like, yeah, but Josh <laughs> is an owner and he's got his own popcorn yeah. receptacle. You know, I got my own Star Wars popcorn bucket. Yeah. I just can't like, I'm like, I, I just personally like, I don't know. It makes plus you've been doing that. So it makes sense. You know, like it's yeah. established. No one's going to question that. If I all of a sudden line jump, I already would feel bad. And then they're like, <laughs> what, what are you doing? You're taking away. This I have corn. no qualms taking popcorn out of our patrons mouths nah and it was well i was here with a friend too so it's like well what i'm just coming back with uh, kids corn for me like no that would look bad so what little power i have (laughs) in life is making a little bit of money working at a theater and getting free popcorn yeah and i mean and hey this has got to be like one of the best times of the year you know this was when you actually have like six sellouts and like you know yeah i mean it was a pretty good month from what i well no one's told me it was a good month. It's because it's October and I'm biased. I'm like, eh, it was a good month. Oh, it really is. Even I talked to Marcus about it, who's been a projectionist here for twice as long as any of us have been owners here. He's not our projectionist anymore, but he's our head technician. He gets everything good to go on the movies every week and puts the trailers on and does checkups and all that kind of stuff. But he said it's one of those things where businesses have this, like where, you know, bakeries have this, where they're just like, we got to get to Valentine's Day or you know, we got to get to Christmas and that kind of thing. And for the Mayfair forever, it's been like Halloween month is one of those months where it's like, oh, we're kind of breaking even the months leading up and then bam. And I joke with Lee, I texted him last night and I was like, I got this wild idea. Hear me out. We play Rocky Horror Picture Show two times every night. We'll make this much money every time. It'll never stop. It'll never stop. We'll be rich. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's a great idea. Oh, man. Well, I will tell you, I've been hearing a lot of buzz about January. And yeah. that, that that will be... Well, my friend was like, that's a license to print money. But he's also <laughs> a huge Tommy Wiseau fan, so he might be biased. But Yeah, so while you were gallivanting off in Los Angeles, we announced... 
Greg Sestero's big return to the Mayfair. Huge. And so it's a one, two, three punch. It's three screenings of the room. I think one or two of them will be in a earlier, a not midnight time slot, which yeah, we've been doing for a while. We did like something like seven o'clock when he was here yeah. last maybe. I don't know. So I'm not sure. But then the Ottawa premiere of his movie, Miracle Valley, which mm-hmm. is only screened a few times in, I think, Vancouver and Calgary. And then the, I can't believe this, that no one beat us to the punch on this, the Canadian premiere of... We swear this is a real movie, Big Shark. Yeah, that does seem like it should... Well, not should be. Like, that's a jerk thing to say. But I was going to say, like, it should be a Toronto premiere or something like yeah. that. Like, a little more... Like, I mean, we should get it based yeah. on our history and all that. That does make perfect sense. But yeah, it does seem like this would have been poached by someone. Like, I don't know. And yeah, so Greg will be here. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. The three, the room screenings. I think one's going to be at nine. One's going to be at midnight. But then... Don't quote me on this quite yet, but the third screening is going to be a live commentary screening. And just because of Greg's schedule, that'll be on a Sunday. So I think it might be a room live commentary screening matinee and then whatever, Big Shark at 7 and Miracle Valley at 9. Oh, so it's like a Greg triple bill. Yeah, so all weekend there will be Greg triple bills. Okay. The tickets are going to be 20 bucks for Miracle Valley, 25 for the room or Big Shark. But the thing on top of that is Greg is a trooper, doesn't charge for autographs, and will stay till dawn (laughs) to (laughs) autograph people's books, DVDs, whatever, take pictures. So it's not like one of those things where you got to pay an extra 50 bucks to get Greg to autograph your disaster artist book or anything like that. Yeah. I'm fingers crossed, assuming we'll probably have him on the podcast again, but yeah, I guess it depends. Over those three days, I think what we'll do at least is get him on the podcast and bank it. Yeah. And then one week we could just do a really short podcast and go, here's the movie screening this week. Stay tuned for Greg. Or just cut parts into various yeah, podcasts yeah, yeah. of just like comments. So it seems like he's there with us all the yeah. time. <laughs> oh man. We just need to get him to be like radical or, so, or like a couple of catchphrases. I concur with that idea. <laughs> like, he's always here. So yeah. So that'll be super fun. And the commentary one is something I've been wanting to do forever. So I hope that kind of goes well. And it'll mean I don't think people should be throwing spoons and yelling because it's him talking throughout, taking questions, and it's a matinee. If people want to throw spoons, they could do it at the other two screenings. I think that'll be fine. And a matinee will be very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And it's going to be a very interesting switch up. Like, it's always fun when we do it different, like when we did that normal Rocky Horror screening or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, which went really well. Yeah. Now, people like, well, I assume people like, I like, so I'm saying people like different things like that. So, no, we got a lot of good that happened because of COVID stuff where we said, let's do a just sit and watch edition. Mm -hmm. And some people who didn't go to, participation screenings because they were you know a little timid or too shy or whatever they really appreciated it and then some super fans even appreciated it because they were like where else can we have watched this like this Mm -hmm. and gold star to all of our patrons nobody broke the rules everybody sat quietly wearing their masks enjoyed the movies you know clapped or cheered or laughed but did not dance around and throw Mm. things and it was really this real heartening once in a lifetime thing like Hopefully, we will never have to do that again. But it's very fun that we did do that. Yeah. And that's a good way to see it after so many years the other way. Because you almost kind of forget that it's a movie in a way. You're like, oh, yeah, because it is a spectacle and it's an event and whatever. But you're also like, it's a fun movie. And that's the thing. I always, even though I am not 
a super fan the way the Shadowcast are, I don't have it memorized, I do prickle when somebody says it's a so bad it's good movie. And I'm like, no, no, it's just a good movie <laughs> yeah. that became a cult movie. The songs are great. Mm-hmm. Tim Curry's great. It looks cool. It's funny. Yeah. It's weird, but it's not The Room or Neil Breen. No, no. It's not by any means a bad movie. I don't know. Maybe I'm not the person to ask about that. <laughs> but it's just, yeah. to me, it's like, it's deliberate. Yeah, it's deliberate. It's what it's trying to be, you know? Like, so it's, like I would say a different kind of movie, but the first that comes to my head, because I love it so much, is that Army of Darkness is not a so bad it's good movie. Yeah. It's a campy, over-the-top laugh with it movie Mm -hmm. and i think rocky horror is very much akin to that sort of thing yeah absolutely so let's hop in because we want to talk about the movies we are screening now the week of friday november 3rd as we kind of joke halloween month never ends at the mayfair no so we are going to continue along with some more halloween month themed screenings here we go first we'll just mention our two holdovers for a second week are she came to me the romantic comedy with Peter Dinklage and oh. Marissa Tomei and Anne Hathaway. Oh, yeah. And The Killer, the Ottawa premiere of the David Fincher, mm. Michael Fassbender starring assassin movie. I've heard it's amazing. It's really good. I saw that one. I didn't get to see She Came to Me yet. I was supposed to watch it tonight, but I have to work. <laughs> oh, boy. But yeah, The Killer's really great. Super big action sequences, but one of those movies that's a little hard to classify because a lot of it, I would just say, is a drama that happens to have a crazy fight scene and an assassin in the central role. Yeah. Midway through, it's like a buddy comedy with an alligator and stuff. And you're like, wow, this is kind of getting <laughs> What's weird. What's happening? But, yeah, it's like, is he the killer? I don't know. So yeah, very good. Highly recommended. So then our repertory offerings this week are Halloween month leftovers, our Dario Argento's opera. Oh man, this is a good one too. It's very... Uh, I think it was the poster has the wide open eyes with so the like scary. spikes or whatever. Yeah, and, and you're just like a Clockwork Orange esque a little bit, but you're like, man, I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, I'm like, I, I think about that scene sometimes. Like, it's, I don't, I don't have an eye horror thing like some people do. Yeah, but because I, I have like contacts and bad eyes and whatever, I think I always it's in the back of my mind kind of <laughs> thing, and I'm just like, ah, oh, God, I want now my eyes are open with spikes in them. Come on. And opera, I always classify him as the 70s for some reason, but opera is like 87. Yeah. Four to four stars from Slant Magazine. And Starburst said it was Mm. his greatest technical accomplishment. Wow. A great candy and a great UK magazine. So, I mean, what what do you say? And a lot of people can, I mean, this sounds kind of, I don't mean this to be mean, but like some people think this was his last great movie. Okay. Yeah. I'm not saying that, but I do really enjoy this movie. Like it's a, it's great. And like, I'm pretty sure it's the same year as Stage Fright. I believe he produced. Okay. He didn't, but that was, that one's cool because it was like a, it's like a guy in a bird costume set in an old timey theater. Oh, right. Killing people, you know? So it's like, yeah, I know. I mean, that's, that's that. And like, oh yeah. And Demons, I think was the year after that. So it's like, there was some cool stuff going on where he was peripherally involved and it's like, I don't know. It's really neat. Like these filmmakers, like an Argento or a Fulci or whatever, who are like, kind of the the peaks or the waning peaks of their powers and working with all these like cool people and it's like it's such a vibe like that time period like the whole yeah like i mean 79 to 88 kind of thing whatever like that like almost decade you're just it's it's a very like unique vibe yeah and watching giallo movies at the mayfair too i really love that like it's Mm -hmm. the the music to be surrounded by the Mayfair screen and filigree with the stained glass windows. Like it feels very appropriate. Like, cause Jalo movies just have that retro, even in their time, they were kind of 
not film noir, but something like that. You yeah. know, they, they had that little bit of retro vibe even at the time. They were kind of detective stories. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I always like getting that kind of stuff on screen. Yeah, and then, like opera is a little, maybe not lesser known, but it's like lesser held than a lot of his other stuff. Like yeah. you don't really hear people talk about it as much as they should. But there's always, you're right, that backhanded compliment of his greatest film in 20 years. <laughs> and you're like, I always imagine somebody, an actor or a director reading that and being like, what I get, I thank you, I guess, but yeah. and I mean, Cage gets that a lot too, where like yeah. he'll put out something and someone's like, oh, it's the best Cage performance in years or something like that. And I was like, I don't think you've been watching, like to be quite honest, and or that, or you're just people sort of just seeing the highlights, like they'll see they'll see maybe Pig and then something else, you know, five years later, or whatever. And I was like, no, I mean, there's other good stuff, and especially with directors, like Fulci gets that a lot too, where people are like, oh yeah, he's got two or three good movies, but it's like, man, he he made like forty movies. That's my least. defense of Robert Pattinson when people got mad that he was cast as Batman, I was like, you clearly have just watched Twilight and not the six awesome, weird, independent movies that he's done since then. Yeah, or you've heard of one of those movies but not seen it. And you're like, oh yeah, apparently that was, you know. Because if you just watched his weird independent movies, like I have, and haven't seen Twilight, you're (laughs) like... This guy's great choice for Batman. Yeah, yeah. And the first Twilight's not, you know, I got to watch worst. them it's, sooner or later. I'm, I gotta watch I'm them. not recommending them, but yeah. as someone who had an ex-girlfriend who made him watch all of them, the first one, I was like, that wasn't the worst. What are there? Are there four? <laughs> oh, no, no, sir. There's like six or seven. Oh, my God. But it, they split the last one into two movies, so it's inflated numbers. Because I was going to say we could do like a festival, but people ask for a Harry Potter festival and I'm like, there's too many and they're all yeah. three hours long. It's too hard. I think there's there's minimum five because okay. the last one was split into two. Right. But I but there could be six. Maybe for its like twentieth anniversary we could screen the first one or something. Yeah, because I, I think yeah. that would garner an audience. First one's pretty good. Second one I I was a bit let down by, but again, like, you know, you know what I'm talking about here. Yeah. So it's not yeah. as if I was like really had high hopes. Uh okay, so then another Halloween aftermath is we are screening the Hands of Orlac, a silent film presentation with live music by our friends at the VOC Silent Film Harmonic. I have not seen this movie, and I joked, is this movie Idle Hands? Oh, man. Yeah, the description's great. And it's also like, what year is it? 1924. Oh, Lord. Yeah. Because the premise makes it sound like a 60s, 70s movie or something. Because it's been done over and over. Yeah. It is, jokingly, Idle Hands. I think there's a Twilight Zone episode of this. But it's just, it's that kind of body horror, right? Like, yeah, like almost Evil Dead 2-ish a little Evil bit. Evil Dead 2, totally, know? yeah. Of, so this one is a pianist loses both of his hands. I hate when that happens. Gets new ones grafted on, which I don't think would happen, especially back <laughs> in, in 1924. Yeah. <laughs> and then they once belonged to a murderer. But before that, they belonged to an ice cream man. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> so yeah, but it looks, what's funny is, so we are screening this movie... And then we will talk about the Maltese Falcon. What? What? Okay, come on. That's a and bit of a jump there. We're screening the Ottawa premiere of this weird Steven Sonnenberg produced movie called Divinity. Okay. We're showing three black and white films this week. So that's kind of cool. And none of them are Nighty Living Dead somehow. No, but we just screened that recently. <laughs> True. So. so, you know, it's, it's kind of perpetually screening here. So, yeah. So, as mentioned, Maltese Falcon, we are doing Noir Vember. Oh, right. Four noir films throughout the month. Kicking it off with probably the most famous one, arguably. Well, not even arguably. Maltese Falcon. (laughs) Then The Postman Always Rings Twice. Mm. Gilda and Gun Crazy. So four 1940s and early 50s noir films. Maltese Falcon is like... Yeah, I mean... 
it and Casablanca put the genre on the map. And I think after that, it's so funny now, people talk about superhero movies, too many superhero movies. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but for a while, it was too many disaster movies. It was too many noir movies. Monster movies, yeah. Yeah, it was too many westerns. Westerns still knock superhero movies in the dust. Yeah. Like, if you're like, oh my god, there's a superhero movie once a month, twice a month. In the day, there was like three or four westerns released every week. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and I mean, another one I think about, not western, obviously, was uh, Double Indemnity. That's That was like, oh one yeah. Of the, that might have been the first noir that I watched as a kid. And even as a kid, you know, I don't know, you can tell like the power that it has and just it's like a beautifully shot movie, obviously. Humphrey Bogart is so iconic, but he didn't do 150 movies. No. And he kind of hit fame a little later in life. But when he hit like Maltese Falcon and Casablanca, it was like, yep, you are Hollywood. Like, Mm -hmm. I think people look at him and maybe like Marilyn Monroe. If you could have two icons to be like, that's old Hollywood. Yeah. So Maltese Falcon, again, so fun to watch on the big screen. And this is a nice restoration, of course. So it'll look really nice. It'll sound really nice. I'm hoping to catch all of these while we have them. Yeah, and, and I think Gun Crazy we've played before, I think, right? That one really seemed familiar. I think so. I don't think we've screened the other two, though. Okay. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, so it's fun. always fun to have a little mini film fest like that and get four classics up on the big screen mm-hmm. in a month. And then Divinity, which I mentioned, is a new weird black and white sci-fi story. The pitch is that it's two mysterious brothers abduct a mogul during his quest for immortality. Meanwhile, a seductive woman (laughs) helps them launch a journey of self-discovery. What does that mean? I don't know. Yeah. See, because like the first half of that sentence could have already been the premise. And then you're like, well, but there's more going on that you don't know about. And who's in it? Steven Dorff's in it. Okay, well, it's sold. Stolen's Steven Dorff is in it? Yeah, he's the crazy mogul. (laughs) And then uh, Scott Bakula's in it. It was, let's see. Quantum Leaps, Squat Bakula. Quantum Squat Bakula. Oh, God. That's when he's working out, they call him that. (laughs) Sundance Next Innovator Award nominee. Ooh. Wait, for Soderbergh? Uh, For the movie. Okay. Soderbergh produced it. It's presented by Uh, and produced by Steven Soderbergh. So I think it might be one of those movies that... Um, came in at he probably saw it at a film festival and went right. this is great let me help you by slapping my name on it yeah Joe Nobody like no, yeah. I mean no offense to the director but I mean compared to Soderbergh you know but I like <laughs> movies like this so yeah it's a it's a weirdo movie that yeah, sounds awesome like man, you already sold me with that power packed cast yeah but uh, yeah so that's our movies this week but then what else did we announce Stop Making Sense is coming oh yeah which, people have been raving about that new uh, uh, the new 4K transfer and I've seen just some lovely footage of like people actually dancing in the aisles at the screenings and stuff like that. It really does. Movies like that, you really feel like you're at the concert. And supposedly, this new sound mix is just staggering. Yeah. How did you, were you here for the uh, Santana, that Santana one night only Oh, thing? no, no. I was, I was wondering how that sound, the sound must have been pretty great for that, I would assume. Yeah, like anything like that. Like even, even Purple Rain, which we screened, sadly, after Prince died a few years back. And that's, you know, a narrative movie. But yeah. there's concert footage in it. It really felt like being at the concert. The way people were reacting and clapping and stuff like that. Yeah, you're literally wearing the shirt right now. As the words came out of my mouth, I went, I'm wearing my Purple Rain shirt. <laughs> kind of weird how that worked out, but anyway. 
we are screening the 20th anniversary of House of a Thousand Corpses. Oh, man, th- that really caught me off guard. Yeah. Not so much that it's been 20 years, because I'm like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But it's not really a heralded movie these days. People talk a lot about Devil's Rejects, rightly so, because it, yeah. it, it was, I mean, a better movie. But I've always liked Corpses. Obviously, it's a, it's basically Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but run through a filter of so many other movies as well. And the cast, like, I mean, to have like a pre-The Office Dwight Schrute yeah. anchoring your cast is just crazy. And he's and, young. Yeah, and it just, you know, the like a great cast. Like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's definitely... It's either for you or it's not. You know, you know, going in pretty clearly from the title alone, whether you're yeah. going to like the movie. No, I liked it. And I missed seeing it on the big screen 20 years ago because it kind of came and went. Same, yeah. And so I'm looking forward to this. And yeah, it's funny what hits 20th anniversary. And again, I think we can get the premiere of this restoration because it might not play at a multiplex. But here we can play it for two nights and enough people will show up to make it worthwhile because... You know, if it's a cult movie, it's that for a reason. It doesn't have fans overflowing the cinema with a blockbuster, but enough to come and enjoy and and who are fans, even though it's not, you know, whatever, a a Halloween or a Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, and Sid Haig is just amazing in it. Yeah, I really liked it. This is kind of an R.I.P. screening for him a little bit. Then 50th anniversary of Lady Snowblood, which is Mm. a movie that many say is the main influence for a lot of Kill Bill. Yeah, that makes sense. And then uh, another cartoons coming on oh. December 2nd. Oh, we love that. For the holidays. So yeah. lots of good stuff coming. Yeah, and, then, and that's that's always a good vibe. I mean, it's a little too soon after the Halloween one. I'm still <laughs> I'm in a Halloween mode for the next three months still. But, yeah. uh, I, you know, I do love Christmas too, but it's just, it's hard to, to give up, you know? <laughs> you can still wear a costume to the Christmas edition. Well, I'm, st- I'm going to wear my, uh, my Hercules shirt. I just oh, got yeah. I like the Mighty Hercules. One of the retro uh, shirt sites was doing yeah. like a secret shirt. Well, I've talked about it, so it's not a secret now. But now they and, know. And I got mine. My buddy ordered one in. Uh, he lives in Quebec, and then his was cheaper because of the taxes. And so he's kind of crowing oh. about. He saved four dollars. Then his got returned in the mail, and he never got his shirt. So I'm like, well, yeah, not so funny now, is it? Okay, so we're gonna wrap things up because uh, I'm hungry. I want to. <laughs> I want to eat some of that leftover pizza. Yeah, you want leftover pizzas. Yeah, big shout out to the Absent Friends Shadowcast <laughs> for not taking all the pizza. Thank you, Absent Friends, for not being as hungry as you usually are. Yeah, for not being like us had we been in that situation. Let's be honest. I- I'd be going home with that whole pie. Like, come oh, on. Oh, yeah. Even when you're full and if somebody's like, do you want pizza? You take the pizza. Yeah, you take the pizza. <laughs> but, but thank you for not taking the pizza because now we have pizza to take. And yeah, thanks to everyone who joined us this Halloween month. Always a blockbuster for us. In the months leading up when we're just kind of breaking even, we've got that on the horizon of like, we're going to have six sold out shows of Rocky Horror. Yeah. We're going to have a pack night for The Exorcist and The Shining. Mm-hmm. We're going to have the silent film live band for Nosferatu. And, you know, now we can have a few weeks of flops to yeah. uh, get back to normal. And if we accidentally have a hit, then hey, maybe we can eat uh, pizza that <laughs> night. <laughs> Yay. Okay, thanks for listening, everybody. You can check out MayfairTheater.ca for updates and all the social medias. And we'll see you back here next week for more news on Mayfair stuff as we wrap up 2023. Hooray. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Oh, and I got to shout out my boy Raymond Scott, who is the composer of the Looney Tunes bit that you mentioned earlier oh. in the podcast. Nobody really knows. We all know the Looney Tunes music and all that stuff. Raymond Scott, check it out. Best dude. Come closer. I want to talk to you. I'm going to tell you an astounding story. The story of the Maltese Falcon. 
600 years, the falcon has carried the mystery of a fabulous wealth under its grotesque wings. I could tell you a thousand tales of the men and women who have hunted this evil bird. But every story has the same ending. Murder. Listen to these incredible people, all consumed by their passionate greed for the Maltese falcon. What have you ever given me beside money? Have you ever given me any of your confidence, any of the truth? Haven't you tried to buy my loyalty with money and nothing else? What else is there I can buy you with? We were talking about a lot more money than this. There are more of us to be taken care of now. Well, that may be, but I've got the falcon. You may have the falcon, but we certainly have you. I've taken a lot of riding from you I'm going to take. Get up and shoot it out. Stop it. The police will be here any minute. Now talk. Oh, how can you accuse me of such a terrible... This isn't the time for that schoolgirl act. We're both of us sitting under the gallows. 